today we have a very special guest here with us. This is Randy Hill. He's the pastor of a church in Wiley. It's called the Summit Church. And he is also the regional director of Bethel Sozo Organization for Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Kansas. Is that right? Got them all in there. So he's a busy man. If you don't know what Sozo is, these banners in the back are part of the definition of sozo, means saved, healed, and delivered. It's all in the blood of Jesus at the cross, and this is part of what Randy carries, is deliverance and freedom. And he does have some product on the table he can talk about. He's written some kids' books that are fantastic that help keep help kids figure out how to hear from God and find their gifting and their place in his body. And I love Randy. He's been a good friend to me. He's been someone that I've confided some things into in the, in the past when I've been hurt. I've gone to him like, hey, I, I, I need a, a sozo, or I need to talk some things through. And it helped me out, Randy. I don't know if you remember some of those conversations, but um, Jesus healed my heart through some of those. And so I want to thank you for that. And his, one of his daughters, Ashley, is here. So thank you for being here, Ashley. She keeps him in, in line. Right. <laughs> and so would you give a warm welcome to Randy? We told him to have his, have his will, do what he wants to do. Thank you, sir. Pardon me for advertising. Is, is anybody out there? These lights are bright up here. I feel like I'm on stage at the Met or something. Hmm. Is someone in the room dealing with a pain on their left shoulder, kind of in the like the center of the shoulder blade? It's a sharp pain that uh, it grips you every once in a while. Are you in the room? Is anybody in the room? All right. Uh, is there anyone in the room who has never had the opportunity to pray for someone and see them healed? Healed? Anybody? You've okay. Would you like to come up here, Jared? Won't you stand up? <clears throat> Matthew ten eight. Jesus gave this command to his disciples. As you go, preach the kingdom of heaven and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. <clears throat> Jesus didn't say pray for healing. He said heal the sick. So you have pain now? Okay. And it's in the left side, okay. It's in your shoulder, okay. So here's, I'm not going to pray for him. You are, because come on over here. And uh, now, here's, but here's the way I want you to pray. I want to find out, where's your pain at? You say it's all the time? It's, yeah, it's when I get to there. Right there is where it's at. And what is the pain level? One to ten. One being nothing, ten being excruciating. Seven. To seven? Okay. All right. So uh, Jesus said to command healing. He also didn't say, you never see Jesus pray this way. Father God, would you come now and bring healing? Would you, Father God, would you heal this in my name? Amen. Jesus never did that. He commanded healing. Are you there? If you're online, shout out at me. Chat and say, yeah, we're here. We're here. Uh, what's about to happen is going to blow your mind because God's going to heal this shoulder. All right? So it's about a seven when you do that, right? Raise it up again. How far? That's where it starts hurting? Can, can you raise it any higher? I can. Just, just a lot more pain? 
Okay, all right, all right. So what I want you to do is I want you to lay hands on his shoulder, and I want you to just command healing. Put your hand right over here where the pain is. And just begin to command healing in the name of Jesus. We just command the pain to go. And whatever's causing the pain to be restructured now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, Jared, check it. It was a seven. What is it now? Okay, it's a three. And somebody might say, well, huh, you said he's going to be healed. Uh, Jesus prayed for a blind man once. And he, and he had to have asked him, How's it, how did it work? And he said, well, I was blind as a bat, but now I see men as trees walking. And Jesus wasn't satisfied with a partial healing. Why? Because God doesn't deal in partial healings. So... We pray again. If Jesus had to pray twice, you think maybe we need to pray twice? I think if Jesus prayed twice, we might need to pray until it happens. Amen? Okay, so come on in here, sister. Pray again, just like we said. Well, before you do that, one of the challenges we get into is when we get a four, number four down. It was, it was a seven, and now it's a three. That's the math, right? Four. Yeah, okay. Math was not my best subject, so... <clears throat> When it moves over 50%, we get upset and we get focused on, on what didn't happen. Oh, it's still a three. Oh, no. No, no. How about we focus on what God has done and quit holding him hostage to what he hasn't done yet? Is anybody with me? All right. So let's praise God. God, we thank you for over 50% change in this pain. But you're not a partial healing God. So right now, I command you... Shoulder, in the name of Jesus, be completely healed. Pain, you got to go now in Jesus' name and never return. Amen. Amen. All right, now check it out again, Jared. Where are we at now? It felt good. Okay, any pain? Oh, what do you mean not right now? No. Not right now. Not ever anymore. So that's a complete healing right there of your pastor who's not going to lie to you. My daughters every once in a while say, Dad, are you, telling the, are you preaching? Are you telling the truth or are you preaching? Your pastor will never be asked that because he'll always tell you the truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. How about that sister who now is a walking healing minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many of you think Jesus died to get you to heaven? Raise your hand. Oh, your pastor's been working really good. How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask you? Yeah. I got some products back there, and I'm just going to let Ashley give them away. I don't even want to talk about them. I should because they're good. Uh, we, the children's books, they do. They're going to train your children. Are you the elder, one of the elders here? Is that right? Here, you get to give these away. Here, you get to make the people mad, not me. These two go together, those two right there. And then you can give these away. All right. Y'all go buy everything off the product table because I need your money. No. The children's books will help your kids learn to discern. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but your kids are more attuned to the spirit realm than you are. And we train it out of them by saying, oh, baby, that's a, that's a great imagination, but you're going to have to grow up one day. 
You know, Jesus never said that. In fact, he said the absolute opposite. He said, unless you be converted and become like a child, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's amazing how man has taken the scripture and twisted it to fit his own theology. Now, I'm not opposed to good theology. The problem is not many of us have it. Because we have a theology without intimacy. And theology without intimacy is nothing more than spiritual voyeurism. Theology without intimacy is nothing more than spiritual voyeurism. What are you saying, Randy? I'm saying you are a spiritual window peeper on God where you look through the window at him and you study him and you learn about him, but you never interact with him. You never enter into intimacy with him and power comes through intimacy. Reproduction happens through intimacy. Theology many times is to meet my own personal needs so that I have a good argument for the way that I'm living. Are you alive? Uh, just to let you know how I do this, the more you involve yourself, the quicker we'll get out of here. I got all day. I want you to open your Bible to Matthew 16. You're probably very familiar with this scripture. Jesus has been in a, a conversation, some intense fellowship with the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he comes out of that, and he looks at his disciples, and, and uh, in verse 13, he says, hey guys, I need to ask you a question. Who do people say I am? And uh, the disciples say, well, some think you're Elijah raised from the dead. Or Elijah returned because Elijah, he was one of the guys that didn't die. They think you're Elijah returned. And some of them think you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. And Jesus had this question for him. The most important question, though, guys, is this. Who do you say that I am? Did you know that who Jesus is to you is going to set you up for your eternity but it's also going to set you up for your present reality. Many people today are living in such fear because they don't know who Jesus is. And I got news for you. The politicians in our land have caught the vision of scaring the hell out of people. And everything they do in order to maintain power and influence <clears throat> they back it up with fear. How many of you go to the news and hear this? I've got some great news for the people of America today. <laughs> Woohoo! This happened and that was so good. Isn't that great? We hear that every night on the nightly news, don't we? No, what you hear is, oh no, you need to be really, really afraid. Yeah. Had a guy send me an article the other day. Now, I'm, I told Jared I was going to make a mess today. I warned him, but I got the mic now. And he said, uh, 
He said, interesting article. And I started reading it. And what came out was this, what I'm calling fear part duel. You know the movies, the movies that really repeat the same plot line, but they come out with a second one to make more money, and it's part two, and they say it in French, so it sounds better. <laughs> part trois. Is that the way you say it in, in French? Got any French speakers in here? Yes. Dua. And, and what it was doing, it was describing this new Delta variant of the COVID farce, uh, excuse me, COVID disease. It's called fear part two. Because what is happening, people are getting the message that part one, yeah, people died and, and I hate it. I had some people that I know die. But you know what? People die every day. And Jesus came to set us free from the fear of death. In fact, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 2, it said God himself in Jesus stepped down out of glory and became a human being to show us how to live this perfect life and to come and die and kill death. <laughs> Primarily the fear of death because the, the, the reason the enemy has any pull in our life is because we partner with fear and usually it's because we're afraid of dying. And for the believer, guys, that's our ticket to eternity. You say, well, Randy, you're, you're kind of on the other side of the mountain now. You're closer to it. You got to get to where you kind of like it. I got news for you. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So we better live today to our fullest in the kingdom. Because yeah. <laughs> Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. And he put death to death. I don't know if you have ever heard a guy named Brandon Lake. He's come out with an album. It was done in 2020, but he just released it this year. And there's a song called Rattle. And it starts out like this. Friday's disappointment. Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Who do you say Jesus is? Well, he's my savior and I'm just holding on till he returns. Do you know that Jesus never intended on you to intended for you to hold on until he returns? If he had, he would have told you that. Now I'm I'm going away, guys. And you, you're just going to have to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit till I get back. That would have been in the book. That would have been in the book. All the ladies are going, oh, yeah, yeah. And the guys are going, that's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Have you ever seen a hair in a biscuit and tried to get it out? There's no getting it out. It's hung in there. And Jesus, if that was his purpose in coming, is to give us the strength to hang on. We even write songs, y'all. How many of y'all remember Andre Crouch? You got to keep holding on. Keep on holding on. Dear God, you got to keep holding on. Keep on holding on. Nothing's going to happen in life except you got to keep holding on. You, you can't take the scripture and actually believe it because that's what those kind of perspectives have to do. They have to make the scripture dead. 
Because that's not what the Bible says. Oh, it does teach us to be steadfast. But Jesus didn't come to get us to heaven. He came to get heaven to earth. Who do men say that I am? Well, they say you're this, you say they're that. But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And the one time, one of the two times Peter got it right before Pentecost, every other time he's putting his foot in his mouth, particularly like on the mountain of Ascension. Y'all remember the mountain and uh, of, uh, excuse me, transfiguration. Jesus is up there. Moses and Elijah show up. And, and the disciples are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? And Jesus is talking to Elijah and Moses. And then Elijah and Moses disappear and Jesus begins to glow like one of these lights in my face. I can understand how the, they, they were feeling. They were, like, what? They, were, they, were, they were like, this is, this is amazing. And Peter says, you know what? We need to build three churches up here. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And we just need to hang out here in this encounter, in this experience. You know what it said just before he said that? Peter was in so much awe, he didn't know what to say. So he said. Peter, not knowing what to say, said. (laughs) My wife has often said, Randy, that's kind of like you on Sunday morning. Not knowing what to say, you went ahead and preached. You know what? If God doesn't give you a message, you maybe ought to just sit down and let somebody else talk. Actually, she's never said that. She's probably only felt it. But who do you say that I am? Peter here gets it right. And the reason he gets it right is because God overrides his spirit of stupid that he lived in most of the time and comes upon him. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the most high God. And Jesus looks at him and goes, Peter, you got that right. But that didn't come to you through your own mind or from some man. That came from my father in heaven. Which is a beautiful thing if you think about it. That means God can take someone who's dumber than a stump and speak through him. I mean, if he can speak through Balaam's ass, he can speak through yours. So... Psalms 115 says he's God in heaven. He does what he pleases. He's God in heaven. He does what he pleases. Oh, God would never do that. Oh, he would if it pleased him. It would if it pleased him. I'm thankful that he spoke through Balaam's ass. I'm thankful that he came upon Peter and spoke through him. That means it gives me hope that he'll speak through me. This is so important. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and goes, Peter, you got it right. But not because you're so smart or man's so smart, but because my father in heaven gave you that information. He gave you a word of knowledge. And it's upon this revelation of that truth, I will build my ecclesia, my church, my ruling body. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, let me tell you what we've done in the church that isn't the ecclesia. The church that man built. The church that men build is a church that is an organization, not an organism. The church that man built is a business, not a body. But then you get on the other side. Well, okay, it's an organism. It's a body. 
And we then become this holy huddle. It's just us four and no more. We and me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. We, we pervert the same thing if we're a part of the ecclesia. But Jesus said, upon this revelation of truth of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What we've done is we've taught, and we've probably never said this from a pulpit. We probably never said this on camera We've not let this be recorded, but somewhere along the way, we put within the spirit of the church this idea that the gates of hell were animated uh, entities, that if we get close to hell, they're going to jump off the hinges and chase us down the road, and, and we got to get into our holy huddles. Let's run to our church buildings, lock the doors, and let's, let's isolate from the world so the gates of hell can't prevail against us. And they, we believe the gates of hell are beaten at our doors like the Huns have come to overtake us. <clears throat> Y'all are sure quiet. Maybe I should just go ahead and say every head bowed and every eye closed. And you say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, how are you living? Are you living in fear that hell's going to touch you? <laughs> are, are you? Are you living in fear in such a way that, you know, if I say anything about Jesus on the job, I'll get fired. Then don't say anything about Jesus. Just demonstrate what Jesus would do in that job were he there. Because he is. 1 John four seventeen says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world as he is so are we the ecclesia the body of christ the true church the church that has been built and is being built by jesus the ruling entity of the kingdom of heaven are you are you with me you're going to make me preach a lot longer because y'all are so quiet. Now, either I'm saying something that's really good or you've already shut me off or you're just <laughs> thinking about the roast. And does anybody cook Sunday dinner anymore? I don't know. <laughs> Gates are on hinges and don't have legs. <clears throat> Jesus went to Hades and got the keys. Y'all know he did that. The three days that he was in the grave, he wasn't resting. He didn't take a sabbatical. He went to Hades. And I believe this, when he walked to the gates of Hades, it was like Target. When you get so close, they just opened. Because inanimate objects recognize his lordship quicker than animate objects. And, and what happened is he walked right up to Satan himself. Satan, who thought he had won the victory when Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus went, yes. I mean, Satan went, yes, it is. <laughs> I won. I won. <laughs> and he started having a party in hell. Whatever that looks like. Couldn't be much fun. Jesus walks in and Satan goes, uh-oh. And Jesus, in, in spite of what Carmen may have taught us, there was never a battle and never will be a battle between God and Satan. Did you know heaven and hell are never going to be in a war? 
He said, well, what about the Battle of Armageddon? Yeah, well, if you read the book instead of the books <laughs> that have been written about the book, you're going to discover when Jesus shows up, it's over. Satan pulls all of his hordes in. He pulls all those that he has deceived into this place in Gog and Magog. And he's, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. And he's laying out their battle plan, laying out their battle orders. And this is what you're going to do. And you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And Jesus shows up and goes. <laughs> and Satan then is dealt with once for all eternity. There's never been a battle, never will be a battle. There wasn't a battle in Hades when Jesus walked in there. Jesus walked up to Satan and he just held out his hand because Satan is a legalist. He understands the law of eternity, the law of the universe, the laws that God set in order. And he's a legalist. He lives by the law. He breaks them all the time, but he uses them against you. He tries to make you religious instead of relational. He tries to get you to succumb to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, we're going with the science. That's the knowledge of good and evil. There's a higher truth that may be fact, but here's the higher truth. We live at the tree of life. And we eat of the bread of life. We drink of the water of life. So he walks up to Satan and he just does this. Gives him that Jesus love look. Hate, Satan hates love. Yeah, he couldn't give him an ugly look. He couldn't talk ugly to him. There's no reason to. He's just love. Satan hates love. He held out his hand. Satan had to drop the keys into his hand. And then Jesus comes back to the Mount of Ascension and says, <clears throat> All authority. And heaven and on earth has been given back to me. I went to hell and got it back, guys. What you lost, I came as a man just like you to show you what fully devoted man could do. And I've now demonstrated it. And now I have returned to the Father. And now I'm in my divine and human estate for eternity. And all authority... And heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go. And he took the keys and he tossed them back. You don't get my truck. You just, this is just an illustration, Elder. This is just an illustration. Yeah. So Ashley, go get my keys. So you go. You go. <laughs> There's a good man. Whew. I wasn't afraid of it. But I'm putting them in my pocket. <laughs> now you go and make disciples of every nation. Teach them everything I taught you. And remember, I'm with you always. We call that the Great Commission. It's, it's a beautiful commission. And it's a co-mission. Everybody say co-mission. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that while God is in heaven, he does what he pleases. At the very same time, what pleases him is to be in a co-labor with us. Jesus came to this earth as man. Yes, he was, he's, he's eternally God. 
He never stopped being eternally God. But what he did do because he's God and what pleases him was to take his divinity and set it aside. I believe he took his power and left it at his throne and came and submitted to God's process. <laughs> he was in submission to God's mission and there was a co-mission between Jesus and Father God. Are you with me? Yes. Now, he's fully received that power back. It's interesting how he got the power. The power came to him after he went through the wilderness. Uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. Wilderness. Oh, I'm, you ever heard somebody say something like, kind of like this? Oh, I'm just in a wilderness right now. As if, oh, this really stinks. Oh, God, deliver me from the wilderness. Oh, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? I'm right here. You see, our perspective of the wilderness should be this. <laughs> Holy Spirit's leading me into a wilderness. That's what it says in, that, in Luke chapter 4, 3 and 4. It said, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And after 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. After 40 days, he was hungry? After 40 days? After 40 minutes, I'm looking for a bite. Is anybody with me? Yeah, I'm telling you, after 40 days he was hungry? What's going on in the wilderness? I would propose to you there's something in the wilderness that feeds you, that keeps you from hungering what's in the world. We, we oh, oh, take me to the promised land. Do you remember going into the promised land? The very first thing they had to face was Jericho. <laughs> There's something about our promises began in the wilderness. Because God is shaping something in us in our wilderness time that will carry us into our promise so that we can defeat the enemies that are in our promise, that are inhabiting our promise. Gates of hell will not prevail against the church I'm building. So who are you going to be? Are you going to be a church that is bent on gathering or a church bent on going? Are we going to come into our little holy huddle, build our fortress, build it tall, make the gates strong because the gates of hell are coming? Are we going to be a church that is easily interrupted but never distracted off a mission? Are we going to be a gathering or a going body? You say, well, you know, the scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. I, I agree. And, and, there, and in the last days that will happen. And, and people will forsake that. How many of you know they're forsaking it today? People are running from the church that man has built. They're not running from the ecclesia, though. 
They're running to that. Why? Because people with a testimony of what God has done are never, never on the short side with a man with an argument. Are you hearing me? Theological arguments are never going to change the world. If that were a fact, the world would have already been like heaven. You know what's going to change it? The power of God. Now, real quickly, Jared said I had all the time I need. How many of you give me five minutes? Raise your hand. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. I saw it. Don't pull it down. So I saw it. I got 40 more minutes. No. Real quickly, turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're just, I'm not going to read a lot. I'm just going to walk through it. In, in chapter 9, you see Jesus calls Matthew, the writer of the, this gospel, and then he brings this new reality uh, in, of the kingdom out, showing that he is bringing the kingdom, and he's going to pour out fresh new wine, not into an old wineskin. In other words, your structures are about to change. Get ready. The structure you've lived in has not been the structure that I'm bringing. Then he heals the sick. He raises the dead. He opens blind eyes. He heals a mute. And then he says in verse 35 of chapter 9, Jesus walked throughout the region with the joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught in their meeting houses and when, wherever he went, he demonstrated, everybody say demonstrated. He demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and illness. Demonstrated God's power. Everybody say that. Demonstrated God's power. Now, Jesus has just demonstrated all sorts of healing in chapter 9. And it's in all the Gospels. You see Jesus. In fact, the Scripture says he healed everyone who came to him. Everyone. And then he says, y'all know this verse, the harvest is plentiful. You look to the fields and say three more months. We, we know we need to plan. You know, if, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so what we do is we go and plan a church growth strategy. We plan an evangelism system that Jesus never used. Could I tell you Jesus' evangelism system? It's so simple. He looked at him and said, follow me. And those that he said, follow me, or looking at him, can you see, <laughs> you see the two brothers? What, what, what do you think he meant by that, Peter? Peter, uh, I don't know. Maybe he meant to follow him. Brother Andrew says, well, he is getting smaller. He had to make a decision. And the decision wasn't to be saved. The decision was to follow someone that when they spoke what they said, Breathe life into them. Are you that to people? You know, uh, well, <laughs> I said I was going to make a mess, Jared. I don't know what you've been doing here for evangelism, but I got news for you. Most of our evangelism models are not scriptural. Why? Because it removes us from the relationship and has them follow an ethereal God. When the scripture says God wants to reveal his kingdom through our humanity. <laughs> I've always thought that's a bad plan, God. 
until I began to allow him to demonstrate it through my life. So here he says, you look to the field and you want to plan all your particular programs. I'm telling you, it's, the fields are already ripe to harvest. And they are ready for anyone who will go into the field and reach out and take the harvest. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. Who's the Lord of the harvest? Anybody know? And it's Jesus. <laughs> and he's saying, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends harvesters into the field. Then look at what he says next, chapter 10. He gathers his disciples around them, imparts to them authority to cast out demons and heal every sickness and every disease. These guys, they've just learned to pray. They've not been to Bible college. They've not been to cemetery, uh, seminary. <laughs> All they have done is walked with Jesus and Matthew had just started walking with him. And God looks at him and says, now you go do what I've just done. He gives them his authority. Now, and he gives you the names of those that he sends. And then look over at verse 8. Verse 7. Verse 6. And let's go to verse 7. And as you go, preach this message. This is out of the Passion Translation. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. Close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people, raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. <clears throat> Easily interrupted, never distracted off a mission. Guys, that's our mission. Our mission isn't to put butts in seats that ultimately become frozen assets that people never invest. Firelife Church needs to be about sending capacity rather than seeding capacity. And that's not some excuse for a small pastoring because our mission is not to enlarge the church is to make disciples that bring kingdom. Jesus never asked you to get anybody saved. Jesus never had an altar call. Jesus never had anyone pray a prayer of salvation. All of these are ideas of men. Now, I, God has used them. I answered an altar call. I prayed a prayer of faith and came to Christ. And he changed my life. So I'm not saying that you, gotta, you, you did it wrong. I'm just saying you didn't do it like Jesus did it. How many of you think Jesus may have had a better plan? I want to remind you of his plan. At the end of three and a half years, he had 12. And they all betrayed him. Because Jesus knew something. He was going to go. And send the power. The power that they could only have with him giving it to them, they're going to now have inside of them. You see, it's that power that we go in and do the works that Jesus did and even greater works than these. Easily interrupted, never distracted off a mission. Our mission is to bring heaven to earth. Real quick. Jesus is walking down the street 
and he's headed someplace to do something that the Father is leading him to. He may or may not know exactly what he's going to or where he's going, like he did when he went and made wine for a bunch of drunk people. He's walking down the street, and Jarius runs up, and, and there's, there's a, thousands of people around him. And Jarius says, Master, Jesus, come and heal my daughter. She's sick unto death. She's dying as we speak. Jesus says, let's go. He was easily interrupted. And so they're headed, and he's so easily interrupted that as he's walking, here's a woman who's had an issue of blood for 13 years, which, by the way, many scholars would tell us that Jairus' daughter was 13 years old. And this woman, she's not bold enough to interrupt Jesus, she thinks. So she's just going to sneak in. She puts faith in just touching the talit, the, 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 the braids hanging from his prayer shawl. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, the talit, if I can just touch it, I'll be healed. That's great faith. And Jesus is walking along. People are pressing in around him. She reaches, she struggles through in her weakened state through all of the crowd and she just reaches out and she just barely touches the talit and immediately she's restored. And Jesus, who's been interrupted by Jairus, is walking with a, a, a stride that says, we're going to go take care of your daughter, stops and says, who touched me? His disciples look at him and said, Jesus, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about a touch of interest. I'm talking about a touch of faith that drew the virtue of the kingdom out of my body. He turns around and he sees her and she's cowering because what she did broke the law. He was a rabbi. And for her to touch him in her unclean state was to make him unclean. And at that point, he would have to go through a series of quarantines. You see, religion will cause you to isolate and quarantine when you're not even sick. You've just been touched by those who have been. Because the old covenant taught, you touch a leper, you become unclean. The new covenant teaches this, you touch a leper and they get cleansed. At what point are we going to be the church that Jesus is building? that carry the power of the gospel of the kingdom. People who don't fear death. If I die, praise God. It's my ticket home. If I live, I live for others. Now, I didn't expect you to jump up and shout and dance around. But I do hope you're hearing the gospel of the kingdom. Because the only thing the other kingdom has is fear. And deception. Jesus turns to her and says, you, you touched me. Yes, I did. I was sick and I thought if I just touched the hem of your garment, I'd be healed. And I've been healed. Jesus goes, I know. Go your way. Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> In that process of inner exchange, a man, a servant from Jairus' home, because you see, he was the leader of the synagogue. He had already gone through the decision to forsake religion for the sake of the life of his daughter. For the life of another, he forsook religion. Usually what keeps us in religion is selfishness. 
narcissistic attitude that I've got this all figured out and to hell with the rest of the world. Oh, if they'll just come and believe like me, they'll make it to heaven too. Well, that's a gospel that's all about getting to heaven. And while that's in the gospel of the kingdom, it ain't the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. Jerry's don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. Jerry's looks at Jesus. Can you imagine what he was thinking? Jesus. Jesus, you were tending to a woman who's had, I know her. She's had this problem for 13 years. She's been to our prayer meetings. We prayed for her. Yeah. It must have been God's will that she be sick. Because we prayed and we were clean. We were preached to the most high God. And we prayed she must have sin in her life that she didn't get healed. So why would you, you know, so maybe you can heal her, but what's another day? She's been sick for 13 years. My 13-year-old is dead. How dare you be interrupted by this lesser important. I'm a priest. I'm a Christian. Jesus just looks at him. Jairus didn't verbalize anything like that. We don't know what he was thinking except what we would possibly think. And what you would think in that position is revealing your heart. Jesus looks at Jairus and said, Jairus, shh, 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 don't say a word. Only believe. Let's go. He gets to the house and, ah! Ah! Jairus had enough money to hire mourners. They would hire people in this day to come and mourn for those they loved. They could hear them for blocks before they got to the house. Jesus comes up and says, uh, why are you wailing? The girl is not dead. She's only asleep. That stopped the wailing. And now it became railing. So what happens when we get challenged in our religion. You know, it's interesting that when we get challenged in our religion, we go from wailing to railing. But when we're not religious and we get challenged, we get convicted. Ooh. Because our heart is, oh, I, I've been wrong before. I might be wrong again. But then we go to the source, Holy Spirit. Let's talk. Take out of me anything, anything that isn't of you. Reveal it to me so I can repent. I can change the way that I'm thinking. They're railing against Jesus, so he gets them all out of the house. And he walks in and he says, daughter, rise. Then he looks at mom and dad and says, you need to feed her. She's hungry. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Do you have an impossible situation in your life today? You ought to get excited. Are you going walking through a wilderness experience? You need to get excited. Are you up against some giants that are trying to destroy you? You need to get excited. You need to, you need to ask for the spirit of Caleb and Joshua in you that look at the giants and go, oh, there's our lunch. We're going to eat you alive. 
Because you're standing between me and my promise. And nothing's going to keep me from my promise unless I partner with you. There are people all around this church building. You have an apartment community right across the street. In fact, I've heard that it's called Little Calcutta because of the, the Indian population there. Wow. What an opportunity. You, you have the world here in your Jerusalem. You want to save the city? You start demonstrating the kingdom that you say you serve. You say, well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know enough Bible. Do you know Jesus? He is the Word of God. Now, you need to read the Word. You need to learn the Scripture. But I got news for you. This book doesn't contain God. It reveals Him. And in the process of reading His Word, you learn to hear His voice. But I got news for you. Jesus is real good at making Himself hearable. As you're learning to hear His voice, He'll go, it's Jesus. I'm Jesus. I am the Christ. I'm the anointed one. I'm the one you serve. Y'all gave me 40 minutes. I've only used 18 of it. <laughs> Jared, you're going to have to let me come again if, if I haven't made too big a mess because i got a lot more to say. I want to say one more thing. Y'all know the verse. You can finish this for me. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If that were true, we could put this on a tape in our ears as we sleep at night. We, in the morning, we would wake up and we would have faith that would move mountains. If that were the truth. No, it says faith comes by hearing. My faith comes by hearing the voice of God. What is he saying right now? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing is learned by the Word of God. In other words, I read this logos so that I know the kairos voice of God. I read the logos so I have the rhema word. In other words, you, you live with him day and night. In years, you're pouring through the scripture. You're, you're eating it. You're storing it away in your heart. And all of a sudden, he says, Randy, I know you're on vacation. You're sitting in Rio Doso on that bench with your brother-in-law. But that guy sitting next to him, I want to heal him. That's the Kairos voice. Now, it's in the Logos as you go heal the sick. But dadgummit, I'm on vacation. I'm, uh, God, I'm on a Sabbath. I'm taking a two-week Sabbath. I'm, I'm a man of God. I've been working hard for God. I've been working hard years. I've not had a vacation like that. I'm chilling out. Yeah, I'm glad you are, Randy. It's because you've got a brain and it works. But as you're chilling out, son, be easily interrupted. Don't let anything distract you off a of mission. So this guy sits down. And he, his wife goes, thank you for making room for him. He's really in a lot of pain. And by the way, the Holy Spirit already told me he's going to heal him. I didn't know anything about this guy. Never met him in my life. 
And so he and my brother-in-law, they're country boys, they're talking quickly. And I uh, wait for one of them to take a breath, and I say, hey, I hear you're in pain. He goes, yeah, I really am. I said, so what's, you, what's, it, what's the deal? He said, I've got this sciatic. I went and played golf this morning, and oh, it's just excruciating pain. And so I'm a Christian, and sometimes when I pray for people, they get healed. Could I pray for you? He goes, oh, please do. So I, and, and what most people believe is you're going to go away somewhere, and you're going to pray for them. And hope that God does something. But that's not the instruction of Scripture. He said, heal the sick. He didn't say, pray for the sick. He said, cast out demons. He didn't say, pray about it. He, he said, he said uh, cleanse the leper. He didn't say, fast and pray for the power. He said, just do it. So I said, okay, and I, can I lay my hand on you? Yes. And so I laid my hand on his back. I said, what's your pain level at? Just like we did with Pastor Jerry. This is your instruction. This is your challenge this week. What's your pain level? One to ten. One being nothing, ten being excruciating. Oh, he said, well, my, let me tell you right now, it's a nine. It's at least an eight or a nine. I said, okay, let's pray. So we prayed. Quick prayer, because God's wanting to heal him. All I got to do is release the kingdom. I was praying for a girl yesterday in our healing rooms. I didn't even pray. I just laughed over her. And she was healed completely. So... I'm praying, I just release healing and I command that, that nerve that's sending the pain to stop because it's healed. No need to send the pain to the brain anymore. I said, all right, check it out. He goes. Starts moving around. He's pressing on his hip where it was hurting. And I said, it was an eight or a nine. What is it now? He said, well, it's a, it's a, it's probably, probably a two. I said, praise God. Let's pray again. Because God doesn't do anything partially. So let's pray again. We prayed again. And, he's, and he keeps walking around. I keep asking, so what is it now? He won't answer me. I, so pain was a two. What is it now? And he's like, hey, it's, uh, and, and it's like he's getting frustrated. Why? Because people don't know God's a healer because the church has been silent. People want to fight the government about trying to silence the church. The government doesn't have to silence the church. It's already been done through years of religion. <laughs> I used to be a religionist. In fact, I was such a religionist that it took me from someone who was raised in revival to a practical atheist. Oh, I could still preach it. I could preach the power of God. I just couldn't demonstrate it. Oh, I'll pray for you, brother, which meant if the Holy Spirit reminds me, and trust me, I'm going to try to forget you as soon as I walk away because nothing happens when I pray. I got so sick of religion. I finally told God, I'm going to give you one more year to do something with this church or I'm going to quit. And he said, Randy, go ahead and quit. Because as long as you're in charge of this church, I can't do anything with it. So I quit and asked him to have Holy Spirit come and pastor the church. And when I did that, he started offending every religious spirit that I was possessed with. This guy gets completely healed. Completely healed right there on the streets of Rio Dosa, New Mexico. Now, he can't walk away and say Jesus isn't a healer. 
He said, well, did you lead him to Jesus? No, I found out he was a Christian. I didn't need to lead him. He already knew Jesus. People, a lot of people know Jesus. They just need to know that he's real and still powerful. And he wants to reveal that through your humanity. I think I'm done, Jared. Do you have a question? Okay. Okay. Can you call her? Give her a call. See if you can get her on the phone. Uh, but first of all, before you get her on the phone, I want you to I want you to turn your tears to joy because God's about to heal her. Okay? Bring the phone up here. We're going to we're going to do this right here. This is what we do, easily interrupted, but never distracted off a of mission. Are you com I didn't ask if you were comfortable coming up here because I really don't care. No, that's all right. That's all right. I told you I was going to make a mess, Jared. All right, see if you can get her on the phone. <clears throat> Yesterday, uh, we were in healing rooms. We have healing rooms once a month, thir the third Saturday of every month. And we had a lady that didn't come because she was so sick and such pain. So we called her on the phone, and she had, she had pain in her neck going down her arms and in her chest. In fact, three weeks prior to this, she went to the hospital thinking she was having a heart attack. They couldn't find what was wrong with her. So we prayed for her, and she was completely healed. Okay, here. I want you to tell her I'm going to have this pastor pray for you. Don't hang up. Go. She'll leave a message for her. What time is it? 1227. Jan, this is June. I have a pastor that is going to pray for you. We love you. June, my name is Randy Hill. I represent, I, I have work for the great physician and uh, he's going to heal you now. I want you to take your hand. I want you to place it on your stomach and I'm going to, I'm going to pray. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we release healing into your body, Jan. We command healing in your kidneys. We command them to be restored to manufacturer's code right now in the name of Jesus. That they would function and do exactly what they're supposed to. And we speak to your stomach. And we command the swelling to go down now. There is no need for that. We've got the message and now we've prayed. And Jesus is delivering the healing to your body in Jesus' name. Now, Jan, I want you to call your friend here and let her know exactly what has happened when you get this message. In Jesus' name. Bless you. Amen. 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 Now, you say, okay, preacher, what if she doesn't get healed? How about we change that to what if she does? You see, I'm not batting a thousand yet. 
There are people that I pray for that the demonstration of the healing doesn't happen right then. But later it does. And then there's people that I pray for that I have no clue whether they got healed or not. They didn't get healed when I prayed. But I don't ever hold God hostage to what he didn't do. I don't go, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not praying for anybody else. That was embarrassing. Well, to hell with your embarrassment. Stand up and be a man or a woman of God who represent the king and his kingdom and begin to practice. How many of you know a doctor? They've been doctoring for years, but they're still in practice. What makes you think we're going to be an expert? You know what an expert is? It's a drip under pressure. It's someone who used to think they were a spurt, and they're not anymore. They're an expert. I got news for you guys. Embarrassment's not a part of the kingdom. If you're easily embarrassed, you're, you don't know your king. And you're always going to pray a prayer that gives him a way out. I don't pray those prayers anymore. I command healing. That's what Jesus said, heal the sick. I've raised the dead. I've raised two so far. One died in the service. I wasn't preaching. Uh, he died in the service, church service. We raised him from the dead. Another was a baby in the womb that they were getting ready to do a DNC. And we prayed. There was no activity, no heartbeat. We prayed the Sunday before they were going to do the DNC the next week. And that baby was restored. That baby now is about 12 years old. Perfectly whole. You're commanded to do these things. That's the Great Commission. Bring heaven to earth. The greatest commission. Amen? Bless you, Jerry. Oh, awesome, 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 awesome word. Amen? Now we got to, yes, amen. Now let's stand up. We want to be activated. Amen? Awaken us, Lord. Come on. Have we been feeling this stirring for a while just to be awakened to your calling, to what he talked about today, the kingdom? All right? Would you put your hand on your chest? We're going to pray. Holy Spirit is the activating agent. Come on. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now and activate the gifts activate the gifts of faith, the working of miracles and signs and wonders, the gifts of prophecy, the gifts of healing. We ask that you would activate every single one of us. We are all now activated agents in your kingdom. We have been brought for such a time as this. You have sown us into the specific system. We work where we work because you put us there. We live where we live because you gave us the house. Come on. We were born for this time, for this season, and we have been being prepared and how many, one second, how many have ever seen a spy show where they have these sleeper agents and then there's a word that's released that causes them to no longer be a sleeper agent, but they're activated. You are no longer a sleeper agent in Jesus' name. He sent your word. You are now an activated agent. Whew. And you know what to do because he trained it in you. It's been being built in you through the wilderness of your life. Come on. You are now an activated agent. Would you say this? I am no longer a sleeper agent. I have been activated for such a time as this by my king. In Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you want prayer, if you need healing, I, I 100%, no pain in my shoulder at all. And it's been since the snow. 
Since we had the big snow, I fell like a goofball snowboarding in my neighborhood, and it's hurt ever since. Now it's completely well. In Jesus' name. So you need healing. Jesus heals. If you need salvation right now, if you're at home and you don't know Jesus, come on. He's that familiar voice that's been with you your whole life. You do know him. He knows you. Just turn to him. And need anything else right here, we pray for you. Thank you for being here. We bless you in Jesus' name. Now go. (laughs) 